speaking about leadership this morning. Lord, we worship you. We honor you. We bless you, Lord. Just thank you for your presence. I thank you for these wonderful people. I thank you for your church. I thank you for community. And we just pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Once again, from the front, we declare, Holy Spirit, you lead this service. You lead it, Holy Spirit. Ruin our plans, ruin man's plans. Let it be your plan. We honor your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Leadership. We're going to have leadership as one of those. We've been preaching on fasting three weeks. If you uh, want to go get those messages, I've had a lot of requests for them. They are on the site. Please go find them. Uh, God really spoke to us about it. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing. But leadership. It's a big deal, right? Big deal. Anywhere in history... Leadership, leadership, leadership. There's much one could say about leadership. I'm not the best leader in the world. I don't know if there anyone is. I'm not saying I'm a bad one, but there's always a better leader somewhere, somehow. Just is. Uh, but leadership is vital. You see it all through the Bible. God chooses people to lead people. It's an amazing fact to me that God chooses a person to lead other people, and he does not, in a sense, think that he's above them. It's an amazing fact. Uh, I think the military, I think the world, honestly, and the church sometimes can learn some leadership lessons from the military, uh, not to lord it over, but there's just there's such a reverence and an understanding of what it means to follow orders. And I'm not saying you follow my orders, but his. His, not mine. And it's just the military gets that right. But I want to speak on leadership. We started this year saying that the Lord had really spoken to us about put your house in order. And it wasn't a rebuke. It was a frame certain rooms. Put order because he wants to do something. And he believed that that's what we are called to do as a body this year. So this is just simply part of that. Amen. And I'm looking very forward to see all the things that come out of the fast. Because there's things that move in the spirit realm in the fast that we don't see. But they move. They do. They shift and they move. And then they come. They land a little later. But I wrote this about church, and I'll be talking about church leadership this morning, and I could, we could speak about how to lead and the skills of leadership and all that kind of John C. Maxwell kind of stuff. He has some brilliant material. But I just simply want to give a very simple, basic teaching on church leadership. It's very basic, but I always try to approach it basically and very simply because often there's people that just haven't heard it or we forget it. So I wrote this. Due to the nature of the church being made up of people, it always wants to take something. The church always wants to take something that was successful one time and make it a formula. Or what was learnt and meant for one individual or a few individuals and make it a method for everyone. Or to take a system that worked for a season and make it a model. We see that in church history. None of these are the relationally based, family oriented, organically grown church that Jesus paid for with his life. Because at its center is a heart, not a machine. However, it biblically and desperately requires strong and loving leadership. But it cannot be a system, cannot be a method, it cannot be a formula. Try implement that in your relationship with your wife or your husband. It just ain't work. Doesn't work. So we have that. That's, for me, the picture of a quintessential deacon. But, very simply, 
So I'm going to start off by making a few statements and explaining a few things from without. If you don't work from this platform, if you don't work from this foundation, you are going to go wrong. Any person is going to go wrong when it comes to building leadership. Number one, the church belongs to Jesus Christ. That is the foundation. The church belongs to Jesus. It is born out of the heart of the Father, and it is empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the church. Friends, it belongs to Jesus. Not to your pastors. There's three of them here. Not to some great guy, Bill Johnson or John Piper, whichever direction you go. The church belongs to Jesus. He is the head of the church. There is no man that is the head of church. Not the Pope and not the King. The Church of England said, the King of England, he's the head of the church. Wrong. It's wrong. Italy said it's the Pope. Wrong. Because they're men. They live, they die. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. No one else. No one else. He died, not them. He shed his blood, not them. He paid their ransom, not them. It's his bride, not theirs. He's coming back, not them. His word has life, not theirs. It's not men. It's Jesus. Without that, he conquered death, I wrote you. He made sinners righteous. No one else. No one did that. No one. No one. No one. And no one ever can and no one ever will. He's the head of the church. I serve in this body as an attendant to his bride. It's, that's it. And let me tell you, I've had the privilege of marrying some couples. An attendant to the bride better not get in the way of the bride. Because the groom wants to see the bride, not all the people that are helping her. That's a fact. You know, and leaders do this hop, skip, and jump for the church and take the attention of the bride. And God's like, get out of the way. I want to see my bride. I want to see you. I serve as an attendant to the bride. Yeah? Which means what? In that culture, it can also be flipped around. It's according to the groom's instructions, not the bride's. I listen to him. I listen to him. But it's for the bride. Now, I'm part of the bride, but I serve as an attendant to the bride. Friends, if so many leaders can just get that one thing, it's not about you. Yes, right? Great. Great sermon. Let's go home. That's, that's, we're done, right? Absolutely true. Also, secondly, this is just a platform. Any office in the church, whether it's a deacon, apostle, probably the fivefold ministry, or a deacon or an elder, any office am I good? Is not an identity, it's a function. It's not an identity, friends. It's not who you are, it's what you do. If it's your identity, you have to perform in your identity to get pleasure. Or to get, oh, because it's your identity. And if that's the case, run. Run from that leader. That's why I love General Patton. 
He just didn't care. He got the job done. Whether they liked him, didn't like him, I, I, have, my, I have my orders. I just, I just like that guy. It's not an identity, friends. It's not. If it is an identity, it's a problem. It's a big, big, big problem. I wrote you, there is, there is no one person better than another. We might have different uses in God's hands as different tools, but that doesn't make me better than you or you better than me. Because our value is derived from one thing. I'm a son of God. You are a son or daughter of God. That's it. That value doesn't change. Doesn't change. You're a son. You're a daughter. That's where you get your value. The use you have to God will differ from person to person. Just as my children do. But they're both my sons. Friends, somebody once said this, and I loved it. We are God's son, and I mean the sons and daughters, children. I'm God's son, the devil's master. People go, oh, you're not, God is the devil's master. My call on the earth is to destroy the works of the devil. So is yours. We are God's son. Because I'm his son, I'm the devil's master. Because I'm the devil's master, I'm man's servant. You serve men. By taking dominion over darkness because of your sonship, because of who he says you are, because of where you draw your value, regardless of your title, your position. And friends, that's why, and I don't want to step on toes, but why not? That's why we have no titles here in this church. We do, but we don't use them. Why? Because I don't see it anywhere in here. Now, I don't want to come against the culture just for the sake of it. I don't mind people calling me pastor. I don't. Because it's a respect thing. I'm not gonna, it's, it's a stupid little thing. I don't, it doesn't bug me either way. But I have a problem with leaders that freak out if you take their title away. That's when I jump off the ship, say goodbye. Friends, because they're deriving identity from it. It's, it's not an identity. It is just not. Okay, we could go on and on about that. Third one, a mature uh, a position, this is a big deal for me, a position in the church does not allow control. It designates service. It's not control. I don't have control over any other person. I don't. No matter what I'm called, I don't control you. I have no control over you. Friends, it's a big deal. Control. Nobody likes being controlled. Nobody. There's only one who is in control. And you know what? The graciousness, the gracious way he exerts that on me <laughs> is far less than humans exert on each other. It's far less. And he's the king. I wrote you, I'm a shepherd, sure. But the Bible says that the government, the government means the ruling body, the government of God will be on the shoulders of Christ. We can, and we are the body of Christ. He is the head, we are the body. Which means the government, the leadership, the government of the church is in the body. Which means it's people. Which is still amazing to me. But that's what the Bible teaches. But that doesn't give us control. We serve. We serve. We serve in the context of a chief shepherd. 
of whom we are not and to whom we must give an account. And you know, friends, that is what designates true authority. Let me explain that. All authority is delegated. All on earth is delegated from a person above, or but it's delegated from him. All authority is from, it's delegation. Okay? Why is that so important? Because the one who delegated the authority is to the one whom you owe an account. I might be a shepherd here. I will give an account for you. You will not give an account for me. That is true authority. It's not authority because God said or because I'm the pastor. That gives me some sense of authority, yes. But it's true authority because I've got to give an account for it. That's why I cannot come into John's house or Darren's house or Dwayne's house and tell them what to do with their children. Pastor or no pastor. Because I don't give an account for their children. They do. So they're in authority over their children because they give an account, not me. Wherever you have authority given when no account is required, abuse will begin. Hello? Abuse will begin because we're men. It's the same with finances. Now your finances, I can show you what the Bible says, you will give an account for them, not me. So I can never tell you what to do. Hello? It's a fact. That's true authority. Let's go to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. I hope this is helpful to you. I hope it's helpful. Leadership, sure. I love this topic. It's very, very important. We need leaders. We need secure, stable, loving leadership in every facet of the world, in government, in business, in families. Who knows the world desperately is, need, is needful of leaders? Desperately. The elders, 1 Peter 5, 1. The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And then the scary verse, for everyone who has a noble desire to be a leader. And when the chief shepherd appears, he will appear. (laughs) when you deal with people remember he's going to appear he's going to ask you about it when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory now a few things I don't want to get into the theology of it just for the sake of the students you get three words there you see he says elders he says shepherds and he says overseers those very simply are three Greek words, episkopos, poor man, and presbyteros. From the one we get the word presbytery. Who's ever a presbytery? Very nice fancy word. The Presbyterian church took that. They called themselves Presbyterians. You also get something in scripture called the presbytery of prophets, which is a group of fivefold prophets, and they would prophesy. It's a presbytery, okay? A ruling, governing body. Then you have the word overseer, which is actually the word, um, uh, yeah, overseer, which means to care, to overlook, to oversee, to care for, to guide. 
to love, to help. Then you have the word shepherd, which is the word, I think it's uh, episkopos, where you get the word, oh no, sorry, that's pormeno, where you get the, it, it's to rule or govern. What's interesting is it's speaking about one person here. So you get episkopos, where people took episcopal, episcopalian, you get presbyteros, which is, they took this. And, and so the world and the church has given all these different titles to all these different things. Biblically, this is speaking about one person. All these different functions that a shepherd has. I oversee, I look, I love, I care for, I govern. And we've split it up and made it all complicated. To them, it's basic. Hello? It's basic. Eldership. Now, the Bible talks eldership. In this country, you say pastor. That's fine. That's fine, pastor. But those are the functions of a pastor. To overlook, to govern, to rule, to to lovingly govern. That sounds like fun. <laughs> to do all those things. All right, are you with me still? The Bible says the elders govern, the, or govern or the elders rule the affairs of the church. That's why, that's what we do. So this is the way we do things. And this, you might come from a different context. I have been taught different. But we do the best thing that we can see simply in the Word of God. We don't add to it. Then it says this, just for our fellow leaders and elders and so forth. It says, fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, verse 1, and a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Friends, what is that? He was partaking in this age of a future glory. That's what it says, plain English. However, that is not a qualification for eldership. It just says, you don't, there's no limits. God is not, he doesn't bring limits. Hello? Peter was partaking here on the earth. It was him who said, when I look out, I don't even know if I'm seeing a vision or if it's real. He was so guided by the Holy Spirit. And he was an elder. We limit people. We limit stuff. There's no limits in God. Limitless. He's God. Then he says this, the flock. Okay, let's address this. We're just hitting some things today. It's exciting. Well, I'm having fun. I hope you're having fun. The flock. Friends, there's this whole new wave. It's, it comes about every 10 to 15 years, and, you know, we've got to address it. It's not a bad thing. It's actually sometimes God's trying to restore something, but people take it. You know, any truth taken to absolute extreme can be error. But there's this new thing about home church. And that you don't need to go to church. It's just home church, home church. Friends, I think you're the church. 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 To say we have to have church by coming here is to say that a sheep is not a sheep unless he's with other sheep. You are the church. If you're having dinner in your home with some friends, that's church. You don't have to get out the Bible. And, that's church. If you have life group, that's church. If you're having a dinner party, that's church. Because you are the church. Living stones, the Bible says. Not built by the hands of men. You are the church. A holy temple. A priesthood. That's you. Every person. You are the church. And we have this language in our culture. We go to church. And I know it's a language and we all know we're the church. But unfortunately, the language is so ingrained in us that it still gets into our mind. And we still have that concept. You are the church. Anywhere you go, you're the church. When you speak to the person in the supermarket about the Lord, you're doing church. Yes? Yeah. However, a sheep 
Okay, let's make this simple. I'm a little sheep, man. Okay, I'm a sheep. Okay, if there's a whole bunch of sheep over there, I'm still a sheep. Okay, I can't be a flock, though, unless I'm with them. A sheep is a sheep. A sheep can't be a flock. Hello? A flock with other sheep. Now I'm in a flock. It is that simple. Here is not a home church that they're talking about. Shepherd the flock. <laughs> this is a local body with many sheepies. <laughs> okay? Many sheepies in a local body. It's called lambs. <laughs> local body with sheep. Friends, shepherd the flock. You're not a flock by yourself. So this thing of, I, you know, the Bible says don't forsake the believers gathering. And people say, well, we gather, me and my, we a few of us. Friends, that's not a flock. And biblically, a flock is the something that has a shepherd. Hello? If there's no shepherd and there's no flock, you need a, sh- a flock to have a shepherd. You need a shepherd to have a flock. Otherwise, they're just wild sheep. Yeah? This, biblical. Very biblical. And don't let people tell you it's not. It keeps coming around. Why? Because of the fact that we think we have to come here. So I think God keeps trying to store the fact that you're the church. You can have church wherever you are. You can have church wherever you are. And people take it and go, great, so we don't have to do that. No, that's not what I'm saying. You need both. Means that it was not a hurry. We spoke about all of that. Let's move on. Of God. <clears throat> Did you get that? Friends, I, don't let people pull you apart in that area. Just don't let them. And if you can't explain it, smile lovingly, walk away going, it's okay, they're wrong. <laughs> don't get into arguments. It's serious. Just let it go. Just let it go. Know in your heart, though, where you stand. Uh, serving shepherd the flock of God again a reminder it's not your flock this is not my flock it is but it's not it's his shepherd the flock of God not of Peter of God it says which which is among you important why is that important because I don't go down the street and shepherd that flock I have no authority hear this hello I have no authority in some of the church. None. I know this is basic stuff, but when this basic stuff goes awry, God's people get hurt. And that makes me mad. Which is among you. Shepherd the flock which is among you. Take care of those among you. And then it says this, we'll just go to the end of what it says, nor is being lords over those entrusted to you, we've spoken about that, they entrusted to you, stewardship, but being examples to the flock. Friends, an example, that's discipleship. It's not by teaching, hello? It's by example. Which means, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul boldly said that, I'm not bold enough to say that. But follow me as I follow Christ. That's the heart of a leader. We do it together. Not, I'll tell you how to follow Christ. That's the modern church. 
Hello? I'll preach and tell you how to follow Jesus. No. We go together. And sometimes while this generation is tired, because they're tired of being told what to do, but never seeing anyone actually do it. That's a fact. Because I get it in the ear from them all the time. They never see anyone do it. By being examples. Then, very important, and when the chief shepherd appears, he will receive the crown of glory. Very important. My reward comes from him, not from you. If a leader thinks his reward comes from the people that he serves, he will abuse the people. He just will. He won't mean to, but he will. Because he'll have unrealistic expectations in his heart that will never, 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 never get met. Because he's put them in the wrong place. Hello? I wish that some of this stuff would be preached on TV, on the news, just for the church to hear. Because it's so simple. So simple. Now, people say, well, I thought we were speaking about deacons. Well, that's a great idea. Let's go to Acts chapter 5. This here is my Acts chapter 1 to 4. And I just keep losing it. Acts chapter 5. Now, very quickly, just for those who enjoy this. The word deacon, diakonos, is a Greek word, diakonos. It means a ministering servant. Okay, so I'm going to go through this quick. I think it's mentioned 33 times in the New Testament. And then the cognated versions, diakonio and diakone, are uh, a further like 70-something times in the Bible, in the New Testament and the Greek. And that simply means, some of them are verbs, some of them are, but it simply means a ministering servant. Okay, that's what it means. A ministering, who does that talking about? Well, everyone. The Father, Colossians, has qualified you as ministers. Sorry, 2 Corinthians 3. The Father has qualified you as ministers. And a servant. Well, we're all servants. Christ came. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. So there's two ways you can look at the word deacon. And this is why deacons have been so confused all over the body of Christ. It's because you have deacons in an unofficial capacity and an official capacity. And the word doesn't change. The context changes. Okay, you still with me? Very important. With all the different words, you get an unofficial context of what a deacon is in Scripture. And that means, and I'll explain this, we're all deacons. Why? Because we're all ministering and we're all serving. We're all in full-time ministry. You're aware of that. All of us. So we're all deacons because we're all ministering servants. The Bible calls Paul a deacon. You know that Paul called himself an Epaphras a deacon. He's the mighty apostle. He calls himself an Epaphras a deacon. Jesus was called, I think it's Romans 15, was called the deacon of circumcision because it's his servant. The word in the Greek is diakonos, deacon. There's a few other, pla- a few other places. John 12:26 it calls saints deacons. I think it's John 12:26 uses the word servant. The word there is diakonos. So in an unofficial capacity, we're all deacons. Biblically, with the word diakonos. But, but, in an official capacity, there is also the context of the office of a deacon, which is different. 
It's an office bestowed on by the laying on of hands in the body of Christ. Are you with me? And I'll explain that. Office, you go to Philippians 1. Can you throw up Philippians 1 verse 1, please? Maybe go to verse 2. We'll just, in the New King James, it'll be great. So there's an unofficial capacity. Philippians 1, 1. They'll find it. It's there. New Testament. We're going well. There it is. Okay, I'll quickly turn there, but by the time I get there, it'll come up. Shout when it comes up. I win. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Okay, so we're all deacons because we're all ministering servants. Yeah, it gives us three. To the, to the saints, don't you like the order? No hierarchy. Saints, why? God's children come first. You try to tell a, you, you know, it's like this. If Jody, oh, sorry, Jody's children are too old, so we can't use Jody because they would be able to do this by themselves. If my children, if I'm sending my kids somewhere on a plane somewhere and I've entrusted them to this ministering servant everything is about the child's flight the point is the child I send people with that can help that maybe even understand my heart better because they're older protection but the point is the child right what's the point here to all the saints you're the big deal you're the point you're his children hello to the saints, and then it says the bishops, which is actually, the, again, the word episkopos for overseer. It's just, it's, so we say, well, bishop is this, and no, no, friends. It's the same word in the Greek. Are you with me? Very, very important to understand this, because it gets complicated. So, yeah, you see deacons as an office. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, you see requisites, requirements, qualifications, whatever you want to call it, for what? Deacons and elders. The two offices in the church, apart from the fivefold ministry, which are given to the church's gifts to bring maturity to faith. This is basic biblical stuff. But it's very difficult to find a church that are actually just doing what the Bible says. So, the office of deacons. In Romans 16, you even find, we're going to quickly go over the office of deacons and we'd like to lay hands on them and set them in. In Romans 16, you see Phoebe, a single woman, as a deaconess in the church. In fact, many scholars think that she was the one, the ladies will love this, one of the most important books in the New Testament, Romans. Many scholars believe that it was Phoebe who carried that letter from Paul to Rome. So all the women get a cheer. Right? Big deal. We can't prove that. That's what many scholars believe. She was a young, single, well, we don't know actually how old she was, but she was a single deaconess. Let's go to Acts chapter 5. I hope this is helping. It says this, Acts chapter 5. Let's go to verse 40. And they had agreed with them, and when they had called for the apostles, so the Gamaliel had given advice, the apostles were on trial for preaching the gospel, so they were in trouble. Wouldn't that be grand? People are preaching the gospel so much everywhere you go that we get in trouble. Honestly, I long for that day. I do. You know what? I think it's coming in this nation. Anyway, that's for another day. 
apparently. And they, they agreed with them, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded they should, that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. What would that be said in the new church today? Oh, I just didn't have enough favor. Oh, gee, maybe I missed it. The favor of God didn't make a way for me. I don't know what to do. No, they rejoiced. Hello? They rejoiced. And daily in the temple and in every house, there you have both right there. In the temple and in the home. The corporate and at home. They did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They again, I'm not speaking about deacons, but I cannot help read the scripture and point some stuff out. Friends, there are some people that are so legalistic that if the officials, and, well, I was, the Bible says to obey the, 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 the government and the Bible says to do this, and they told us not to preach, therefore I won't preach. Hello? In the Bible. They were told, don't do it. They didn't stop doing it. Because Jesus is the king. For chapter 6, now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Friends, that is a big, 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 big deal in those days. Women had no right of inheritance. They were not given an inheritance. They were not allowed to work. This was their salary. It was their food. It was like a salary to them and they had no one to provide for them. It was like they're everything. And then you get those Hellenists, and just very quickly, Hellenists were Jewish by descent, but they were born outside of Israel. So they spoke Greek, read the Greek version of the Old Testament, and they looked different. They had Greek culture, but they came back to Jerusalem. They heard what was going on. So you have these Hellenists that come, and the Hebraic Jews mostly didn't speak Greek. They still spoke Aramaic. They read the Hebrew version of the Old Testament. So even back then, they were arguing over translations. Well, you guys don't read the real Bible. And, you know, it's like 2,000 years old. Imagine the conversations. Well, you don't even read the Hebrew Bible. So you're not real. I mean, come on. The Good News Bible that Martin Luther did that revolutionized the world is not a good translation. Changed the world. <laughs> so that's what's going on. It's a big deal for these, for these women. It's a big, big deal because the Hebraic Jews were, well, we're better than you. It was like a caste system still happening today in the church. And it says this, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples. It's like a f the fathers said, Come, my children. You're missing the point. They summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Now, what's the first thing you see? That Judaism still had a great impact upon the first appointment of deacons. Why do I say that? It says seven men. You know back in Hebrew culture, in many of the towns, there were groups of men that were called the seven of the town. And there were seven men that were appointed to deal with town issues. 2,000 year old HOA right there. But they were <laughs> town issues, okay? And they were called the seven of the town. 
And because Christianity was new, they got the seven, okay, well, let's find the seven of the town. That's still under Judaism. And you see men, men only. Why? Because the woman thing hadn't... So what am I saying? Even though this is the law of first mention of deacons, it grew and changed as the church grew and changed and understood the new wineskin. Because later on, as I pointed out, now you see women deacons. Hello? Yeah? Makes sense. All right. Seven men of good reputations, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who who we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Notice the order. And this saying pleased the multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip Procurus, Nicanor, Timon. I always read Timon, and I think of the Lion King, Timon. But it's probably not pronounced like that. Timon. I just say Timon. Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles when they had prayed and they laid hands on them. Now, very, very, very few quick points, so then we'll say it, then we'll do it. Number one, deacons are not about serving and waiting on tables, even though it says that. Deacons are appointed to deal with relational issues. This was a major relational divisive issue. The waiting on tables, they called it that because it was the distribution of bread. That was the practical example. But they would have had to sit down. They would have done arbitration. They would have had to deal with people against people in a community. And that's counseling. Friends, your pastors are not the ones, only ones who should be counseling you. We have a team of deacons. Some of them have a gift of counseling way more than I do, and you should go to them, not to me. It's an office. Hello? They have been graced by God to do that. It's a relational thing. Dealing with relational issues. And what happens is when pastors, and I'm not... Please hear my heart. I'm not saying this to make a secret point. I, love, I meet with people. It's no problem. But when pastors spend all their time meeting people so they don't get upset, that church is going to go downhill. It's a fact. Then it says this. It says this. So, Rachel, what happened? Secondly, they had to be secure in who they were. Why do I say that? Look at all those names, friends. They're Greek names. Greek names. So the Hebrew, the Hebrew Jews, the, the mighty ones, they're all upset. And who, do, who gets appointed? Greek. They appoint Hellenists. They became a focal point now. Well, you better not be favorable to your people. They had to be secure in who they were. They had to be secure in here. They had to know who God says they were. And we'll move on. It was not about the earthly pedigree. It says Nicholas the proselyte. You know what a proselyte is? It's a, normally used for a recent convert, but it was one who converted from one thing to the other. Nicholas the proselyte would have gone from paganism, sacrifice, blood, animals, maybe people, moon, sun, idols, star, worshipping, gay, Nicholas. To Judaism, he would have been converted. Then, God got a hold of this man, and he became a Christian. Imagine that. 
in that day. This man was a pagan, now he's a leader of an early church. One of the leaders, one of the leaders, one of the deacons in the early church with all this history. And in Judaism, pedigree, hello, was a big, big deal. Here come the kids, that's wonderful. We brought them in so we can lay hands on the deacons. Some of the deacons are deaconing. They're doing stuff. Are you still with me? It's not about earthly pedigree. And this is one of the first examples we see in the New Testament. Don't worry about them. First examples you see in the New Testament of God getting hold of a man with this, in a sense, crazy background. And it was a deacon. That's why Roger qualifies. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, Roger. And let me just say this to the deacons. There are no limits. No limits. I was going to speak on this, but we run out of time. There are no limits. Why do I say that? The only person in the Bible who is called an evangelist in the Bible is Philip. He spoke to an angel with precise instructions. He was transported supernaturally. And I'm talking from one part of the earth onto another part of the earth more than once. He turned cities upside down, inside out. True revival. He was a deacon. There's limits, friends. We put limits on deacons while you deacon here in this church. There are no limits. The other one was Stephen, the only person you see in Scripture for whom Christ gave a standing ovation. He was a deacon. Killed for his faith, first one. Deacons. And then lastly, this I should probably just say to the deacons, I think it's clear in Scripture that deacons meet with their elders. And I say to the deacons, you're free to do that. Because they would have had to meet to deal with this stuff. And any eldership or leadership that says, oh, deacons can never get together with their elders, there's no trust there. Deacons can meet as many times as they want, whether we're there or not. <laughs> deacons, yeah, they help shepherd, they oversee, they have the finger on the pulse of the church, they deal with relational issues, and then last scripture, what is the true result? What is the desired result? So we can get better at doing church, yes or no? No. What is the desired result? It says it somewhere. Then, that's like a therefore, right? Verse 7. Then, what happened? Sometimes in order to, for the church to grow, you have to widen the sheep pen. That's, so leadership, pointing of leadership comes first. Then, the word of God spread. Next verse. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests were obedient to the faith. What should be the result of pointing leadership in the church? The gospel is preached further. And a new wineskin is embraced. The power of the Spirit. Since they called them up in front of the people and they laid hands on them and set them into the office of a deacon. I think we should do that now. Can we have all the new deacons please come up? That'll be great. I hope that was helpful to you. Hello? Yes, wonderful.